Um, I just kind of took over here. So this is Pentecost weekend. Um, now, some of you are like, great, what's that? Um, but, but probably most of you know, Pentecost is, was, is the name for the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Um, after Jesus was died, after he rose again, and he told his disciples, you're going to do amazing things. You're going to be my witnesses around the earth, but I need you to wait for something. So we already gave them their, their job description, which is the same as the one we have. We get to go and bring, be bringers of the good news across the earth. But he says you can't do it until you're fully equipped. And the equipping isn't the skill level. And the other things that the world will tell you you're supposed to have, the equipping is a person, and his name is Holy Spirit. And, and without that, we could do some cool things, but we're not going to do the, the things that Jesus told us and commanded us to do, not the way that he wants to. And so we are supposed to go out with the good news that there's a father who loves his kids, that Jesus has paid the price to make us right with God. And we get to actually do it with signs and wonders. We get to go and pray for healing and watch people get healed. We get to prophesy. We just get to do all the fun stuff along the way because that's the deal. It's all about Pentecost. Um, I was going to go into longer description, which I won't tonight, but there's so much significance. Pentecost means 50. Penta means 50. It comes from 50 days, which is actually seven weeks of, of seven days, right? 49 days but it started the day after Passover. I won't even get into all this. Trust me, 50 days. And, and, um, and first, at first, in the, in the Hebrew, it's Shavuot. And, and it, at first, it was the harvest festival. You notice all this? Because they're going to talk about this tomorrow in this church. So here's the harvest festival, which, which is all about um, after, they, after the, the sickle came and they started chopping down the wheat or whatever, 50 days later, they had a huge celebration, and they brought God all the first fruits. And they said, God, none of this would be possible without you, which is today the, the biggest reason we give. Yes, we give because we're lovers and we want to help, but really, mostly, it's about God, none of this. We don't take our next breath without you. None of this is possible without you. If you have gifts later, I'm just going to say, that's our offering baskets, please, and thank you for giving. But we give to say thank you to Papa. You're so good. You're so good to us. So that's one thing, and um, which is like our uh, Thanksgiving, by the way. So Pentecost is like our Thanksgiving Day. It's also, um, let's see, what's the next one? Sorry, I'm just zipping through this. It is. Oh, yeah. Okay. So also, then it got more significance later in history when God set his people free in Egypt. Fifty days later, because they were set free on that day, on, on uh, right, right at, uh, gosh, my brain's not working now. Passover, thank you. They were set free on Passover. It is actually what became Passover because the blood of the lamb set them free the angel of death passed them by. Fifty days later, they, um, they now went to Mount Sinai, and the God gave them the laws. Fifty days later. Now, you might be thinking, wait a minute. I thought we don't have the law. I thought Jesus set us free from that. Well, he did, but the Holy Spirit, Jesus actually lived the law for us, and the Holy Spirit came to say, to fulfill the prophecies that said, no longer is the law going to be this external thing. Now I'm writing it right in your hearts. 
It's no longer about you having to be good enough to be right with God. That's done. Jesus finished that for you. You are free. And now the Holy Spirit lives in you to tell you what is life-giving and what is not. Isn't that awesome? Which means that Pentecost is also our Independence Day. Came to set us free. You're free from that now because I'm going to live inside of you and do it from the inside out. And then one more is, of course, when Jesus himself, so he died um, Passover. He actually died that next day, which was still the first day of Passover. Fifty days later, what happens? That's when panic, that's when the Holy Spirit shows up in power. Everything changes. Tongues of fire come. Uh, you know, you, you know the story. It's all in Acts 2. I decided tonight I wasn't going to share that story because most of you actually know that story. But if you don't know it, please read the last chapter of Luke and the first two chapters of Acts if you want to get a really good idea of what Pentecost is all about. But this is what, what, what it is, is that Pentecost is actually the church's birthday. It's when we, it's when we were alive. We were, we were birthed in the spirit on that day. See, Jesus came, when he came, he was baptized. Everything he did was to show us this is the way it's done. He says to John, who didn't want to baptize him, he says, oh, no, John, you have to baptize me. So he got baptized, right? But his was the first baptism that had to do with the Holy Spirit coming as well. However, he hadn't died yet, which means he hadn't set us free yet. He hadn't made everything right between us and God and taking care of the sin problem. So the Holy Spirit can't make his home in us yet because we are the temple of God. He has to be in a holy place. I hope you're getting all this. Because when Jesus died, now, now the rest of us can be baptized in the Holy Spirit because we are made pure. We are made right. Now, now the Holy Spirit can come and take up residence. The temple is not a place. You guys are not in a temple. We're in a church celebrating, but you are the temple of God. You are, and Jesus made you pure, and he made you holy so that the Holy Spirit says, I want to live in you. You're, you were made right for me to live in. Isn't that awesome? Ah, there's, man, there's so much more. Now, this is, some people say, well, what's the difference? Some people say you really don't need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. What is all this anyway? Here's the thing. The Holy Spirit lives within you for your sake. He rests upon you for the sake of the world. Let me tell you what that means. So if you never have an encounter with a person named Holy Spirit, if you only have an encounter with Jesus and you give him your life and you receive forgiveness, are you saved? Absolutely, 100% yes. Is there more? Yes, there is more. And, um, and you're going to hear some stories in just a minute. But if, you, but if it was only Christ in you, fruits of the Spirit, changing who you are, that's awesome. It's everything he promised you he would do. He's going to change you. Except that he's changing you so that you become a light to the world. And the Holy Spirit says, I'm also going to rest upon you and go out with you. And this is the power. And this is the passion. Some of you are saying, gosh, I wish I had more passion. I look around. I'm not passionate like this. That's one of the reasons I actually received the Holy Spirit. Because I was a believer. I did believe in Jesus for a lot of years. And I looked around me at people who were so passionate. I'm like, I want that. I'm like, I love Jesus, but not like that. I want more. There's more. There's more. That's what I'm telling you. There's more. So Holy Spirit comes. Jesus says that, that, that uh, well, um, early in the book of John, 
the Bible says that, that, that there's one coming after you who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Do you remember that? Holy Spirit and fire. Now, why would he say and? Well, I want, I want to tell you this. The Holy Spirit is not fire. The Holy Spirit is not wind. He's not a dove. He's Holy Spirit. Those are all just at- attributes. It's like, it's like saying, man, when Suzanne gets up here and starts preaching, you know, and going for it, she is on fire, which is true. But she's not fire. She's Suzanne. So Holy Spirit, he comes like fire. We're going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Things like, what's true of fire? Unstoppable, consuming, it's passion, it's brightness, it's pure, hot, wild. Those are things that he brings because of who he is. And when you let him in, he says, let's go because things are going to heat up a bit. Things are going to get more and more fun. Will you understand it all? No. I'm telling you right up front, our minds get in the way because we're like, I got to understand all this before I go there. You know what? Then you will never go there. Because you actually have to step out in faith before your mind gets a hold of all of it. However, you should be you should be asking questions. Is this God? Is what Pastor Brent is saying? Is that right? And before I received the Spirit, I asked those questions and I said to God, God, if this is you, I want it. If it's not, I don't want it. But if this is you, I have to have this. That's just smart. That's to me, that's like that's wisdom. So wisdom says, Yeah, I understand why you aren't running into things. We've all been duped by things. We're like, we don't want to be duped. I get that. But you're never going to get it all figured out here. That's what I want to tell you. We're going to look at one scripture, and then I'm going to actually have some people up to tell you stories about their experiences. So check this out. This is a scripture I don't recall ever preaching on before, and it was highlighted to me, and so we're going to go for it. So this is in Acts 8. Holy Spirit's already been poured out, you're like, okay, great. What does this look like? Now that his followers are, are moving in power, uh, what does this look like? So here we go. This is Philip. So he's one of the ap- apostles. He's, he heads north to the city of Samaria. Now, Samaria is the place, remember, like half-breeds, Jews, it, people that kind of intermarry, Jew and Gentile, and they were looked down by both sides. You know, the Gentiles, oh, you're too good for us. The Jews, like, oh, you're not pure lineage, forget you. They were kind of in no man's land. They were not in a happy place. But, that's where, but where does Jesus send them? Oh, all those places. No matter who looks down on who, Jesus says, yep, that's where I want to be. Yep, I want to reach them. Yes, I love them. So Philip heads north to the city of Samaria. He told them the news of the anointed one, Jesus. The crowds were united in their desire to understand Philip's message. They not only listened with their ears, but they witnessed miraculous signs with their eyes. What did that look like? Unclean spirits cried out with a loud scream as they were exercised from people. Paralyzed people and lame people moved and walked in plain view. So the city was swept up with joy. So this is what I want to tell you. If we're, if we're going out with not only the good news but also in power, we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit upon us to do that. And this is kind of what it looks like. This is an example. That's why the book of Acts was written, to show you what this was looking like when these people started going out with power. And with the love of Jesus. Now, if this was all the story, that would be pretty cool. But there's interesting. There's more. Because next we talk about this guy, Simon the Sorcerer, who happened to be hanging out in Samaria. There was a fellow named Simon who had a widespread and long-standing reputation as a sorcerer in Samaria. 
Everyone, not just the poor or the uneducated people, but also the city's elite, everyone paid him great respect because he had amazed them with his magic. And they thought this is truly a great man, full of power of the God of greatness. Isn't that interesting? In other words, when when somebody in their own community was doing some pretty amazing things, they said, well, it's got to be God. And they thought so until they saw the real thing. Once, once Philip came, and we're going to read that in a second. Once Philip came and they started seeing the true God and the message that came with it of a God who loves them, a Savior who died for them, they're saying, um, that's not real anymore. We want this. Watch, watch what happens here. But they were even more impressed with Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, the anointed. Both men and women received ceremonial washing through baptism, and even Simon himself became a believer. And after his baptism, so he gets baptized too, he shadowed Philip constantly. He's like, I want to see what this guy's doing. How does he do this? He shadowed Philip constantly. He was as amazed as everyone else when he saw great and miraculous signs taking place. Now, before I move on, I want to hit this thing about ceremonial washing through baptism. We told you there's baptisms in a month, right? Baptism has many really important, significant uh, things about it. But I want to say this. If you've not been baptized, if you're a believer and you've not been baptized, you need to be baptized. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit why right now, but I'm just saying if you've said, oh, well, you know, I'll get to it or it's not important or, you know, when I was a baby, my parents did it for me. I, I you know, it, when you receive Jesus, there's a reason. Now, let me tell you one of the reasons, just the one right now about the ceremonial washing. Remember, everything before Jesus was like a shadow of the real thing to come. So in the Jewish tradition, when they came to the temple once a year and they wanted to go to the temple grounds, they couldn't until they went through some ceremonial cleansing. They had There was a whole laws for this. They had to go out into these baths made up of bricks and stuff. They had to go out there, ceremonial cleanse, just to get up to the temple floor. They couldn't go into the Holy of Holies. But just to go up that far, they had to be ceremonially cleansed. Jesus says to you, when you are going through baptism, you are agreeing that you are once and for all ceremoniously cleansed by him that now on, from now on you always get to go not only into the uh, area of God, but you get to go right into the heart of Papa anytime you want to. Anytime you want to. That's one of the things baptism does is it's, it's a huge symbolic gesture, but I will tell you it's way more than symbolic. I've been in many baptisms and there's a lot going on in the spirit. A lot of things that you will not see or necessarily even feel that are happening in the spirit. So there you go. If you need to be baptized, talk to Karina afterwards. I believe many of you will want to. Now let me go on with the story. Meanwhile, word had reached the Lord's emissaries, his uh, apostles in Jerusalem. Now this is interesting because the story could have stopped where it was, but they added more. The, the word had reached Jerusalem, the apostles, that the message of God was welcomed in Samaria. They're going, what the heck? Are you kidding me? Samaria? They accepted it? A land of half-breeds and heretics in the minds of many Judeans. So they said, well, we're going to send a couple more of our guys to make sure to see what's going on here. So they sent Peter and John to pray for the Samaritans. Now, check this out. They were especially eager to see if the new believers would receive the Holy Spirit. Because until this point, they had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, 
but they had not experienced the Holy Spirit. There it is right there. Is, is there more than Jesus, than salvation in Jesus? Yes, there is. There's more. It's, it's, it's a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's yielding to him. It's him coming upon you in power. It is by your invitation, just like receiving Jesus. Same thing. Some people, the two events can happen at the same time. Absolutely. I've seen it happen many times. People receive Jesus and, and they're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Bam, you know, like same deal. Maybe that's some of you. Some people like myself, it's years and years before they hear. There's another place in, in the book of Acts where they go to them to talk to them about the Holy Spirit. And their response is, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. That's in the book of Acts. We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, that's part of the package deal. Do you want him? So um, here we go. Then the last thing is we go, let's, they're going to take it back to Simon. We could end it right here, and that would be cool. But check it out. We go back to Simon. When Peter and John laid hands on the people, the Holy Spirit did indeed come upon them all. Simon watched all this closely. He saw the Holy Spirit coming to the people uh, when the apostles laid hands on them. So he came to Peter and John and he offered them money. Now, let me go on. Let me stop for one quick second. At, at first, when I first read this when I, through the years, I was thinking it was more of, well, you know, maybe he hadn't received the Holy Spirit yet. And he's like, well, I want that too. I want, I want to pay you for that. And that's true. That, that could possibly be it. But the more I read this and look at it and just ponder with the Lord, I, I'm thinking, you know what? Simon was a pretty important dude. He was pretty respected in his town. And suddenly they're going, oh, um, no, we're not into your magic anymore. We want this over here. And he's saying, I want to be important. So how can I, how can I be the one to lay hands on so that I can do this and still be important and still be the one? I, I believe that's more of what's going on here. And, and if you think about it, Jesus came and said, I, I'm going to show you how to do this, filled with the Holy Spirit, but I'm not the only one. I'm releasing you all to do the same. He empowered his apostles, right? But, he, but they weren't the only ones. See, right here, they come to Samaria, but they're releasing the power to everyone else. And they're saying, you go do this. This is one of those, and so on, and so on, and so on. You know how his glory is filling the earth? And so on, and so on, and so on. More and more people getting filled, knowing their authority, knowing that they can turn around and empower others. That's what the kingdom is about. So Simon says, I want to purchase this ability to confer the Holy Spirit on people through the laying on of my hands. Peter says, may your silver rot right along with you, Simon, to think the Holy Spirit is some kind of magic that can be procured with money. That's kind of brutal. And um, uh, I... You know, we don't actually hear the rest of the story. It's funny because it just kind of moves on to the next thing. I, I don't think they left him there that way. Actually, the next thing he says is, please pray for me so that this doesn't happen, actually, is the next thing he says. But we don't know what they do after that. I'm sure, they're, I'm sure they talked to him and said, Simon, let's talk. <laughs> That's, you can't buy stuff. Let's talk about what it's really about. That's my rendition anyway. Um, so Pentecost is... God said in chapter 2, I am going to pour my spirit out on all people. And we are part of that all people. It doesn't matter the gender, the age, the social status, nationality. It does not matter. I'm going to pour my spirit out on all people. Now, what does this actually look like? Let me see how I'm doing. Okay. What does this actually look like? I have asked five people to share for five minutes, and that is all they get. <laughs> And I'm going to be right here in the front row saying, 
Okay. Just because we're going to run out of time. But I, I wanted you to see how Holy Spirit can operate differently in different people. It's not the same story every time. He, he, he will show himself differently. But at the end of this time, we're going to invite those of you who say, I want more. I got to have more. We're going to invite you up for that. So we're going to start with Pastor Todd Lout. Thanks for the picture there, Pastor Brant. <clears throat> okay, wait. <laughs> All right, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Bye. <laughs> uh, it's, it, it's interesting. Um, I was, uh, my dad was, uh, my dad was in a very charismatic Bible college in Texas, International Bible College. John Hagee was one of his teachers. <laughs> um, and and then we moved to California uh, when I was two, and uh, and we're, we were in this wild Pentecostal church for a while in Oakland, and he was the co-pastor there. And then um, then he got a job in a Baptist church in Pinole for twenty years. He was a pastor there, and um, it was it became a Baptistcostal type of church. But um, so even though we were in a Baptist church, I, I was um, I, I was accustomed to uh, my my dad. My parents took took me to some tent meetings, you know, you know, tent meetings. You guys know what I'm talking about, tent meetings? We're in one right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, um, and, and my grandpa was a huge influence on this uh, too with me, and they, they would take me to these tent meetings. The meetings, I felt God so much until um, one time when, when I was a little kid, there was there's a group of men that came and surrounded me and started yelling in my ear, praying over me, yelling in tongues, saying, talk like this. You're going to pray. You're going to get baptized in the Holy Spirit now, you know, and it really scared me. It was awful. Um, so actually, I made a vow that I will never do that. Thank you, Dan. Well, there's more. There's more. <laughs> yeah, I made a vow at that point that I would not um, have that experience because it scared me so bad. And um, but I had a relationship with God through Holy Spirit in my, you know, really deeply in, in my own personal life growing up, um, and and knew Him, you know, as a friend in my bedroom and stuff. And um, but uh, but yeah, when I was in tenth grade. Uh, I was going through a lot of really deep, weird issues in my heart and um, just swirling a lot. You know what I mean by swirling? Okay. Well, just bad, like tornado-ish, you know. Um, so I'm trying to rush this along. You know, how many minutes, two left? Two? Oh, holy cow. All right. Um, so so um, all the way to, well, okay, so in 10th grade, a friend of mine said, you need something more. You need to go to my camp with me. And so he brought me to this this charismatic teenage camp and um and I went and uh and at at the end of a service one night all the kids went forward to um to worship and receive Holy Spirit and stuff and I was the only one who didn't. And uh, uh but I went forward because I was being I didn't want to be looked at, you know, I didn't want to be the only one. And I went forward and and uh, everyone was singing 
I was singing the song too, and then I heard him say, you don't even mean the words you're singing, you know? And so I, I turned my heart toward, toward intentionally meaning to him what I was singing. And when I did that, I, I felt like he was inviting me into more. And I was like, okay, yes, yes, yes. And I got absolutely blasted uh, with the Holy Spirit. And, um, and, I, and, and I went down without a catcher on a floor just like this one. Um, I know angels caught me because it felt like a cloud. And, and I was down there for two hours. Um, I actually threw up a little bit. I, because because of a, a little bit prior to this, I had invited in a lot of darkness just for about two-month period of time. I just basically was like, what do you got, you know? And, um, and uh, so he messed me up just a little bit, but I was getting some deliverance. And, uh, uh, but when I, I had this incredible experience with him, when I came back up, the, they were clearing the floor for an ice cream social time. And uh, they were trying to get me to, uh, out of the ground. And when I did, um, somebody asked me a question, and I could not speak English. It was only tongues coming out. Uh, so finally, they all had their party, and I had to go to my dorm, and I just kept laying in bed praying, and, and, and um, it, was, it, it was absolutely life-changing for me. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, took, it took me from black and white television to color all the way, you know. All right. That's all you're going to give is a little taste of everyone. Like, we, they, they all have the hour-long version. So if you want to hear it, you've got to ask them. All right? So Catherine, sign on. Where is she? Oh, she's not here tonight? Oh. Oh. She must have not known <laughs> at our meeting that I met this week. <laughs> okay, Clayton. Clayton Jung. I get tired and a half. Okay. <laughs> oh, I don't get Catherine's ten or five. <laughs> it's okay. It's not that long. Okay. Uh, so yeah, hi, Clayton. I'd like to share with you kind of my journey. Um, whoa, how did I do that? Um. So. So. <laughs> I think it's kind of God's grace and his humor that I'm actually here at Blazing Fire because uh, I wouldn't have expected this growing up. Um, so I'm a left-brain computer programmer sort of logic guy. Um, and so spiritual, supernatural ways, they don't really come naturally to me. Um, so, in fact, um, as we started, oh, thank you, um, growing in these things, I considered myself at the time to be HTR, um, that's an acronym for hard to receive. Um, because many of you have seen how easy my wife is to receive, right? <laughs> so, um, but you know, really, I learned over time, though, that that's just a bad label, right? That really, um, God just has us on different processes. And, you know, I just wasn't receiving in that way yet. But I could ask for the more, and I did. Um, so I'm just sharing this because if your experience is anything like mine, just I hope you can find some hope uh, in, the, in your journey and process. So I accepted Jesus when I was a kid, and God is gracious. I grew up in a Baptist church, 
Um, but this one was very conservative and evangelical. But I really appreciate them. You know, they taught me to love and follow Jesus, to study and appreciate the Word of God. And I honor, you know, the, the upbringing I had at that place. Um, but also, they did not believe in the supernatural ways of the Holy Spirit. And so I grew up, you know, believing in a personal relationship with, with Jesus. I believe that the Holy Spirit could guide me but that um, largely the, the supernatural moves of the Holy Spirit, the ways he could heal or speak or things like that, was like the Old Testament, only on special people at special times, like out at missionaries in Africa, not for me. Um, but that's what I believed. Um, so, you know, largely I probably would have just stayed there and grown up and served with my family and stuff, but God and life led otherwise. Soon after Diane and I got married, um, she caught chronic fatigue syndrome. And... Like a lot of people in those cases, we just went from doctor to doctor, and nobody could really help her. Um, so, um, so after a while, um, you know, it was just it was a hard time. So we actually went to a counselor, um, and we thought I thought it was for helping her with the stress of the situation, and so I went to support her. Um, but of course, the counselor pointed out my own, you know, kind of, um, you know bad patterns and unhealthy patterns. <laughs> and so we both grew in that process, right? So it was great. God really healed a lot within our hearts and lives and um, used that time, I also believe, to really prepare us for kind of the next stage. Um, now, she was still dealing with um, the chronic fatigue, and so we still were getting very desperate. You know, Western medicine was just not helping. Um, and so but God had a divine appointment. He, he brought us, um, at a friend's wedding, he put us right next to uh, uh, a gentleman who went to the San Francisco Vineyard. And um, he came from a similar kind of conservative background, and, but God had led him you know, to uh, the things of the Spirit, and he was serving on a ministry team there, and he was intriguing us with all these stories of, of healings. And so uh, it just enticed us to go, and he invited us to go and receive prayer. And so we went as often as we could to receive prayer there. Um, and really, as I saw Diane being touched, as uh, she received healing, as God was touching both of our lives, it really began to open me up much more to the supernatural. And so we became kind of conference junkies. We were still a conservative church, but we tried to get the Holy Spirit as much as possible other places. Um, and so kind of two situations kind of stand up, which I'll try to make quick. So one was early on. I was, we went to a conference. The, this, the pastor spoke about getting slain by the Spirit, kind of falling down and getting filled with the Spirit. And I was just skeptical. So um, at the end where all 50 people went forward except for me, um, I was skeptic in the back. And I'm going, I don't know if I want this. Um, and then Diane you know, kind of encouraged me, well, why don't you just go for it and get prayer? It doesn't hurt. So I went forward, and it, got, it was a divine appointment. The guy was, um, he was also from kind of a Baptist sort of conservative background. And he said, look, I won't even touch you, so you won't. If you fall, it's totally God. Uh, he said, the only thing I ask is don't lock your knees, okay? So, you know, so if it's God, just let him, let him come on you. And, and, um, and so he did. He prayed for me, and about 30 seconds later, I, my eyes were closed, and I couldn't tell which way was up, and I was down. Um, but the main thing was, you know, in that time, in that little bit of soaking on the ground, you know, it just felt like God was doing some things in my heart, and it showed me, you know, that was the beginning. That was key to showing me that God could move in supernatural ways. Then um, we, we continued to try to seek God, and I would feel him in small ways, but not in big, dramatic ways. Um, but it was just, like Brent was saying, it was just more of just pressing in. You know, it just seemed like there was a hunger in my heart that was saying, there must be more 
and I just wanted more of God. God, and that was actually what Brent was saying earlier. That was my prayer. God, if this is you, I want more of you. Uh, and so we kept on pressing in. In the mid-90s, um, some of the San Francisco vineyard pastors got really powerfully touched at the uh, Toronto Blessing and kind of started up those uh, nightly renewal services, and we went as often as we could. Um, and I went forward for prayer, and sometimes, you know, God would touch me. Sometimes I feel a little tingle. Sometimes I just feel a little healing. But, um, but I still felt like, wow, almost nothing, because, you know, people on the side of me, Diane or others, they'd be shaking and laughing and crying and doing everything else, and I would just stand there. So I would just stand and receive. But I tried to just press in. And one night, there was a pastor there who was in a similar situation. He kind of shared how, you know, everybody else on staff was getting powerfully touched but him. So, uh, so he called it going forward and just receiving God in holy boredom. Uh, and, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, as funny as that was, it really resounded with me. I felt like, God, that's me. That is me with holy boredom. Um, but, you know, he just encouraged us to still just seek God that, you know, and all the pastors are great teaching. It wasn't about the manifestations. It was about getting closer to Jesus and letting all the fruit that, that Brent was talking about, just letting that flow through. And that's what I was really seeking more of. So finally, one night, there was finally a breakthrough. Um, there was one of the pastors from Toronto came and he spoke. Um, and I went forward just thinking this is going to be just like another night. I'm going to have holy boredom. Um, and he kind of prayed, you know, and he prayed some things over my family line. I don't even remember. And all of a sudden I was down and all of a sudden, I can't remember. I think I was crying and yelling and, um, and then I got the shakes and I just couldn't stop. And I just kept on shaking and shaking and shaking. And it was, it just went on for the longest time. And it was one of those things where there's some manifestations I feel like I could shut off if I wanted to. And this was one of those things, it was just, well, I didn't want to. It was finally like, wow, this is powerful, God. You're doing something. And I can't even tell what God did. I mean, I just know he was going into my heart and doing some things that were powerful. Um, and that went on for a while. And so it was just an amazing night. Um, in fact, I couldn't even drive home that night. I kept on just shaking. And so Diane had to drive. And I'm shaking in the car. And I'm shaking in bed. And it was just, it, but it was, it was just powerful. But it was, uh, but the great thing was, too, you know, I saw the fruit. And I felt, um, you know, God just, doing amazing things in my heart to to tenderize it to just seek more of him and so that was just amazing that we all can experience it more yes i did know that was his story before i brought him up here and i did so on purpose because i i wanted you to hear different kinds of stories it's important for you to hear these so clayton oversees our prayer teams as well as Terry Carlisle, and that's who you're going to hear from next. Well, um, my introduction to Holy Spirit was pretty fast. I, I grew up in a um, non-Christian home, although after I got to know the Lord, I found out my parents both knew them very quietly. <laughs> So they individually came up to me, so I was very thankful for that. Um, but I um, started going to a vineyard church after my divorce, which was seven years after I got married, um, back when I was 30, so a long time ago. And it was probably two months after being there and just hanging with people and having fun and thinking the people who danced were weird. Um <laughs> I, which is so funny because I love worship dance um, now, but, but I just heard 
the Holy Spirit whisper, you're not letting me love you enough. And that just broke me. Yeah, that just totally broke me. I was like a sweaty, snotty mess, and and people prayed for me, and and that kind of um, relieved relieved some things. And I went to home group that night, and I got more prayer, and I just felt actual heat as people prayed for me. And again, I was a snotty mess, and um, just felt as the the words that they gave, I still hold on to, but. I also saw a vision of me after this bad marriage that I had been in um, on a rock. I knew it was an island. I, I knew it was an island, and I had been in a stormy sea for a long, long time. And I was on that island, and I was on my hands and my my knees and my hands, and, and I just saw his hands, like, say, stand. And I'm like, isn't it enough for me just to be on the island? That was my response to this king of glory. Um, not very nice, but it was true. Um, and then and then that he just flooded through me. And then his power came. Um, just, I wanted to read this one scripture. It's um, John 14, 26. But the comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and he will cause you to recall everything I have told you. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I was in Germany, and I'm, I'm, I'm fast-forwarding through all the, the highs and lows of my wonderful walk with the Lord. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, I was in Germany, and I had a night out with a couple of co-workers, just ladies that, that I know, but they live on the East Coast, so I only see them once or twice a year. And after having a lot of fun and sharing dish stuff, that girl's dish, um, this one girl was talking about the nails in, in the post and, and pulling them out and how the hole is still there. And I just felt Holy Spirit just rising up in me. After, you know, 20 years of comfort from him, I know that pain. I just, I just grabbed her hand. So this is not a work thing at all to do, but... That, that line is crossing over, and that's being erased quickly. Um, I just grabbed her hands, and I said, Seema, the Lord has comfort for you. There's healing now, and I'm just going to be releasing this healing. And I just started releasing healing, releasing words of comfort. Just I saw, saw hope over her, and I just drenched her with, with love of the Lord. And then I just went back to my risotto. I didn't think much about it. And, and, and Seema says, do, do her now. Do her. So I did Jenny next. So God's comfort is the very thing that drew me. His love and his, his security is the thing that holds me. And I tell you, it's the thing that people are starving for. Okay, we have one more. Um, and this is amazing Sarah Yang. Why'd you choose that photo? <laughs> it's really embarrassing. Okay. Well, uh, I became a Christian when I was 15 years old, and um, I met the Holy Spirit when I was 18 years old. And it wasn't in a church. It was on this summer program called The Love Boat. And you might be wondering, what is The Love Boat? 
The love boat is when 18 to 22, uh, a bunch of like hundreds of 18 to 22 year old Chinese Americans go to Taiwan for the summer and stay in the same dorms. And there's little to no supervision and that's why they call it the love boat because you know, bad things happen. But, um, <laughs> but that's where I met the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so um, the first night when I landed, um, I got asked to go out and party, and, um, but I wanted to take a nap beforehand. So I took a nap, and because of the jet lag, I completely passed out, but I think the Holy Spirit just knocked me out. And I woke up at 4 a.m., totally missed all the parties, and I went into the lobby, and I heard people worshiping. And so I, I started talking with them and found out that they were, like, super on fire for God, and at that point, I only was exposed to conservative churches. And so one of the girls, um, IVN, introduced herself to me and, and started talking to me about this outpouring of the Holy Spirit happening at her church back in San Diego. And she told me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And she said, yeah, like people are getting healed and like people are encountering God and having these crazy experiences. And she said, do you want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit? And I said, sure, it sounds good. And she prayed for me, like, in the dorm, and I fell to the ground, and for two hours, I had, like, this open vision of the end times and um, of the spiritual realm and, like, the battle over mankind. And I've never read the book of Revelations, and I was, like, telling her what I was seeing, and she uh, had read the book of Revelations. She goes, everything you're saying is from the book of Revelations. I'm like, well, I've never read it, so that's pretty crazy. And then um, the next day or the following weeks, I was just so in love with Jesus. Like that was the main thing, I would say, the fruit of uh, that night. Like I was so in love with Jesus, like people on, uh, on the Love Broke program kept coming up to me and saying, um, like, who are you in love with? Who are you dating? You know? And then I said, um, Jesus. And I'm like, I'm in love with Jesus. And, and I mean, I was so happy and just so in love and everyone could tell. And so, um, and then when I got back to UC Berkeley, my school, um, I was able to cut off an unhealthy relationship. And that's another fruit of the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I had a supernatural strength to not go back to sin. And like, I just like, thank God it's not by our might. If, if it was by our willpower, we're all screwed, honestly. <laughs> like, but you know, but it's by his spirit, like, that we are able to overcome sin and give up stuff we need to give up. And, um, and I was just, again, so in love with Jesus. I started soaking, like, I would spend, like, I would walk to class and, like, be holding Jesus's hand and, like, talking with him and then go back, you know, to my apartment and just, like, lay for hours and um, put on, like, a vineyard CD called Faithful Father and just put it on repeat and just, and nobody told me about soaking. I just, I was laying there and I could see Jesus. I imagined Jesus like, and I dancing in a ballroom or, you know, or we would just like, he would just hold me and just like speak to me. And um, people around me, like as I was walking to class, people started getting like, asking me like, what is the story with you? Like, what, what is so different about you? And people started getting saved. Um, and that was another crazy fruit of, of that. But I think to sum it all up, like, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Number one, you fall in love with Jesus. Like, that is huge. And then number two, you, you are given the strength to do something you cannot do in your own strength. Like, you, you, things you could never have done before, you can now do. 
And then three, like you will not want counterfeits when you experience the real thing. And that's what happened for me. Like I, I was ruined. Like I didn't want to go back to sin. I didn't want to go back to partying or doing any of that stuff anymore just because like it was such a high just being with Jesus all the time and being in love with him. So. So the big question is, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit still for today? (laughs) I hope you're convinced that there's a place for him and a necessity still. Um, And and, uh, we need courage to believe in and receive the promise. So Suzanne's going to kick this on in home. Oh, yeah. Courage. I don't know if that you guys picked up on that, but let me just read this. Okay. Shoot, I think I'm chapter four. I think it's chapter four. Yeah. Is it three? No. Give me the passage, honey. Anyway. I was thinking about this as Brent and I Brent was talking about um, he and I were talking about Holy Spirit tonight and or, or this afternoon. And uh, and uh, picture it, if you will these people in a room and, you know, it's, there's still heightened, um, alert for people who believe in Jesus Christ. And these people choose 